You're tuned into Inside Lowell, Inside Lowell podcast, brought to you in part by Washington Savings Bank, serving the greater Lowell community for over 130 years. Make the switch now to Washington Savings Bank. Reverie 73, Lowell's number one cannabis shop. Elevate your cannabis experience at Reverie 73. Hafners, heating and cooling homes and businesses for nearly a century. Hafners, it kicks. And by Boston North Company, restaurant and retail solutions for your business. That's Boston North. And now, time for another Inside Lowell podcast. Inside Lowell. If Lowell is your home, this is your place. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another Inside Lowell podcast coming to you from the Inside Lowell studios here in beautiful, historic downtown Lowell. Got a couple of special guests joining us here this month to tell us about uh, October being a very important month for a cause that is near and dear to many people's hearts and has affected many people's lives. I'll bring them in in a quick second. Just want to thank our sponsors uh, for helping make this podcast, all of our podcasts and all of Inside Lowell possible for that matter. You heard Danielle's voice booming out, Washington Savings Bank and Reverie 73 and Hafners and Boston North Company. Also want to welcome a couple of new sponsors to that list. We're still working on the uh, graphics and get Danielle's recording to upload those. But in the meantime, let me tell you about them. Unicare, offering a variety of plans for people insured under the GIC at Unicare. Your health is their top priority. Also want to thank our friends at Mahoney Oil Company, providing warmth and protection to families in Greater Lowell and Southern New Hampshire since 1925. That's Mahoney Oil. Thank you to them. Thank you to all of you for joining us. And thank you to my guests this morning, Sarah Anderson on the left of your screen here, Taylor Conley on the right of your screen. They are from Alternative House and they've got long, fancy titles. So I'm not even going to try to give to you. I'm just going to let you kind of introduce yourselves and, and tell our audience what you do out there. Sarah, let's sure. start with you. Well, I'm Sarah and um, I'm the senior program director over at Alternative House. So I basically oversee all the programs a little bit. Mm -hmm. So what does that entail? What what does the program director do out there? How many programs do you have and and, and how many people do you oversee? Yeah, so um, there's like 30 of us total. We're pretty small, but we're mighty. And we have multiple different programs, visitation, um, community-based programs, two residential programs, and um, various services, like I said, within the community. All right. And uh, Taylor Conley, uh, what do you do over there at Alternative House? I am the supervised visitation coordinator. Um, and what that means is when parents lose custody of their children for a variety of reasons, whether it's domestic violence, adoption, um, divorce, uh, we monitor those visits to ensure that the children have a safe place to meet with their parents. Okay. Um, you're both uh, too young to probably remember the date in 1989. I, I don't want to give the ages away. Sarah joked that she was just a a little one. I'm not even sure you were born yet, no. Taylor. But nope. in, in October of 1989, uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month was declared for the first time. And for 34 years, we've been trying to raise awareness of it. Um, how much progress have you seen in your time uh, with Alternative House? Is the Has the awareness made the situation better? 
Has it kind of just stayed the same? Has it deteriorated due to recent events like the pandemic? And we've seen it, you know, kind of help, uh, kind of hurt mental health and other causes right. in many ways. What's your observation right now? Are we, are we making progress here? Is this, are we winning this battle after 34 years? I wouldn't say winning, but I'd say progress is there. And it's very, very uh, prevalent. I mean, the more awareness there is, the more we get out there, the more fundraising we do. Um, you know, there's things like, like the internet now so mm. we, we have our own website um a 24-hour hotline there's there's lots of resources that weren't there for many years what's the biggest hurdle you face in in getting people people the help that they need and getting them out of a dangerous situation and into into safety sometimes it's a lack of resources there's only yeah. you know so many beds or uh so many programs that we can provide and to find, you know, the, the need far out, see, out, out surpasses the, the services. Mm-hmm. And I think the culture too of domestic violence, like it's, it's so secretive and it's so this taboo thing that people don't want to express that they're going through due to like shame and embarrassment. Um, and I think that's a really big barrier for people wanting to reach out and get help. Yeah. And, and that's a very big point. So, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, about warning signs, right? Because uh, so first of all, for someone who is in an abusive relationship or in a relationship that's about, you know, it, I'm guessing it starts off, you know, that, ah, he yeah. just lost his cool or she just lost her cool and, and yeah, they said sorry and blah, blah, blah. And then it, I, I would imagine it starts to escalate, right? Sure. So what are the what are some early warning signs that you are either in? an abusive relationship or you're in a relationship that's about to deteriorate and get a lot worse. We go over this a lot in our uh, domestic violence psychoeducational support group. Um, and we talk a lot about red flags. That's what we kind of call them. That's the term for them nowadays. Um, but a lot of early warning signs can be love bombing. So they're buying you gifts. They're making you feel like you're the only person in the world. Um, granted, that's a nice thing in the beginning of a relationship. However, it's, it's, there's a line there where it becomes excessive. Um, a lot of it can be isolation from your family and your friends, um, trying to control what you're doing, where you're going. Um, they want to track where you're going, whether it's through like find my friends or something like that. Um, anything that tends to become, obsessive quickly control uh, i think is the kind of the key word that you said there right and even the what seems like a wonderful gesture a gift the idea is to make you beholden to that person right right and i think even questioning the idea is this abuse is a very the very first sign too like if you're questioning your relationship and and how you feel in it then it's probably already begun Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about for the for a family member or somebody on the outside? What can you look for? Because as you said, it's the secrecy, right? Nobody who's in an abusive relationship wants to admit it, and it's difficult to get out. But uh, what are some red flags, as you use the word, Taylor, that you can use to to maybe say, you know, I wonder if my daughter or my sister or my child or whoever is is involved with the wrong person? Yeah. I think. There's a couple different things that kind of look alike, right? So if somebody's experiencing a substance use disorder or a, a severe mental health disorder or domestic violence, a lot of those characteristics of what a person presents as are similar, right? So they're not sleeping, they're not eating correctly, they're not taking care of their hygiene, they're not leaving the house. Um, so it gets tricky to really decide, like, which one are you going through? Um, but I think that's where it's important for 
families and friends and support systems of people going through domestic violence, you're paying attention. If you know somebody's not going outside as much, if you know they're not showering, they're not going to work, um, daily responsibilities that they're they're no longer participating in, that's a huge sign to look out for. So, so generally, they're kind of the signs of depression and yeah. or even mental illness. So it, 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 it's probably a good idea to step in and just start asking questions because even if it's not an abusive relationship, it could, it could be, be substance something. use, it could yep. be yeah. depression, something else. So what's the proper way to approach somebody? Do, do, do you confront them and, and, and ask, are, are you yeah. getting, you know, are you right. being beaten at home? Right. Or what, what's going on? Is there, a, is there a, a, a right way and a wrong way I'm not to sure. try to broach the discussion? I don't really think that there is. I think it's it's very, just like we always talk about with, with client care, it's per person. It's, you know, everybody is so different. Everybody's situation is so different. So to approach it with, with genuine care in question, you know, like, how are you? How's things going? Like, I've noticed you haven't been calling a lot mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of reaching out in a gentle way. Because if you come up forcefully and say, are you getting hit at home? Are you being abused? Are you mistreated? And, you know, immediately their hackles would mm-hmm. go up. What what types of resources are available for folks in that situation? So uh, do I, do they know that there's help out there? Do they know there are places like Alternative House, which uh, you know can help in a number of different right. ways? Uh, what, what are the why? I guess I'm kind of asking why are people so hesitant to leave that situation where all yeah. these years later we do have some of the help available that has badly been needed. Right. I think some of it's a lack of knowledge that we that there are programs like like ours that exist. A lot of people, when we're doing um, resource events or, or fairs and we're in the community, they say, oh, I never knew there was even an agency I could call. I never knew there was something like this, you know? Um, that's like the first barrier, I believe. And sometimes it's just really, really hard to make that first call. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a lot of reasons why people don't leave, right? Like you got in this relationship because you love this person. That's the biggest barrier is that there's love there between you regardless of if there's domestic violence or not. Um, It could have to do with a financial situation because there's multiple types of abuse. So if somebody's abusing your finances, you know, you can't really go anywhere. Um, If it's, you know, there's something about documentation that you're worried about. If it's, you know, you have kids involved. There's so many reasons why survivors don't leave right away. Um, And I think, you know, making that more of you know, ending that stigma that people just, you know, you're being crazy because you won't leave. Like, how could you not leave? Um, It's really just turning around and understanding that there's reasons why, and we have to accept those whether we agree with them or not. Um, And then turning around and being able to say like, we understand, but what can we do now? What's the future look like for you? Yeah. So it's, it's fascinating. The finances are a form of a control. That's why it's important for people to keep their, some level of independence and control over their financial future. But But the kids, you know, historically, we how many times have you heard, oh, we just stayed together for the kids. It doesn't even have to be an abusive relationship, but people do it. But I would imagine, uh, Taylor, and this is where you kind of come in at Alternative House, is is working with the kids that are involved in the situation. That is probably the biggest challenge that somebody faces in leaving an abusive relationship, right? I think there's multiple challenges. And I think for each person, their biggest challenge is going to look different, right? Because like Sarah said, every case is unique. Somebody's going to have something more important. However, having children involved is so difficult. Um, you know, they they understand a lot of what's going on. And that's what I've learned a lot of is that, you know, 
just because we're whispering behind closed doors or, you know, it's not necessarily in front of them all the time doesn't mean they're not listening and does not mean that they're not paying attention. Um, And there's a lot of side effects of domestic violence that kids can experience, too. Um, So it's really just, you know, taking that family unit as a whole once they leave that domestic violence relationship and treating it all together because everybody needs help if they are going through it. All right. It's uh, September 28th when we're recording this. Not sure when you are watching it, but we are on the cusp of October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And we're being joined by Sarah Anderson to the left of your screen, Taylor Conley to the right. They are with Alternative House. Let's talk a little bit about Alternative House and the services you offer and how people can get the ball rolling. So if somebody's watching this and they're in a situation like, you know what? All everything they describe, that's my life. Right. Or you're a family member and, uh, you know, you recognize it with one of your loved ones. How do you get the ball rolling? How do you who, how do you reach out? Who do you get in touch with? And what happens then? What are the what are the first steps in the journey? So, so there's multiple ways you can reach us. Right. We have a 24 hour hotline that is always available. Um, and that's nine, seven, eight, four, five, four. One four three six. There's also a, a 800 number that is 888-291-6228. Um, that is 100% confidential, and there's always a human on the other end of that line. So when you're calling, if this is your first five minutes, uh, if you're in an unsafe situation, if this, if you're outside and and you know the abuser's in the next room, you'll never have to get a, a call back. There's no computer that will pick up. It's always somebody. Uh, there's also a, our website, so you can reach out anonymously um, at www.alternative-house.org. Um, and there's an info email there that you can send. Mm-hmm. Confidential. As always, everything we do is confidential. So if, if you don't even have to give us your name. If you just want to ask a question or if you just need someone to speak to, or if that's you just want to know what the next steps are, um, there, there's always someone to answer those questions. Okay. So somebody works up the courage yep. to, to make that phone call. I would imagine the first thing you got to get them out of that house, uh, that living Sometimes. situation, right? Yeah. Is, um, what, what are the, op- where, where do, where will folks go to live to get out of that abusive situation and until they can get back on their feet somewhere else? So ideally we have a, an emergency shelter, which is, um, um, 100% confidential, okay. and but it's limited space, right? So, right. like, sometimes we've been known to put people up in motels or find different shelters that may have space in, in the area. You know, there's different different types of, of services there. But, like, as I mentioned before, the need is greater than the provisions, right? Like, right. They, so, we wish we could house everybody, but sometimes people aren't necessarily ready to leave when they make that first yeah. call. They just want to yeah. talk about it. They, yeah. You know, that that's such a huge step in itself. Sure. And takes so much courage. Yeah, the first step to solving a problem is admitting it, that it, it, or, that or it exists. Question, yeah. So you, you mentioned the need is greater than the problem, right. and while you can temporarily put some people up somewhere, I would imagine you've got to work with a number of different community partners to to find sure. the long-term housing who, who do you who do you work with who's who are some of the key folks that help alternative house or the organizations we work with um a number of local housing authorities or we try to mm-hmm. um we also have a rapid rehousing program that alternative house provides and that's a longer term um program or mm-hmm. project and that puts you in the community you know finds you that permanent safe housing but we stay connected we help with you know, the financial end of that. 
and uh, really work through about a year at least. So, and I think the key there too is is really you know all of our services are survivor led, um, so we let them tell us what they need, right? right? So if their abuser is located somewhere in the Lowell area, we won't house them in the Lowell area. We'll we'll put them somewhere outside of that where they're safe, um, and so it's really just you know getting all of that information together and deciding you know, what's best for them and their families moving forward. Sarah, you mentioned yeah. a year. How how long do you provide these types of services and how, how long can somebody stay in that situation? Sure. There's no time limit. Uh, you know, there's different variations of support and there's different levels that we can provide or that we work with, but we never, we never say goodbye. You know, if you want to stay on with us for, you know, your the rest of your life, that's fine. We're, yeah. They'll always be us. We're never going anywhere, you know, so we could be that one stable thing that even is just a phone call every month. Yeah, in the uh, the recovery world, we call right. that continuum of care. Yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. You know, when, when you <laughs> first we, yeah. When you first get, you know, a, a deal with the problem, everyone yep. thinks, okay, well, they're, they're out there. But when it's the hardest part sometimes when you go off on your own and, and that's when the when you can kind of slide back into one of those situations. Mind if I ask your involvement, how did you get involved with Alternative House? So I actually worked in the substance use field for for quite a while. Um, I, I did some, some residential work, some PHP work. I've done the drug court program. Um, and then I actually got really burnt out from it. Like it was just heavy for me for a while. Um, so I switched up and I did construction management for a year, <laughs> which is so like outside of my <laughs> wheelhouse. Um, but then I, you know, I really was missing that piece of like the, the social services work. Um, and, you know, some jobs, people's worst day is, you know, you pick the wrong color sink. Um, and then there's people who don't have food. Um, and those are the people that I wanted to be around, you know, um, because I, I am such like a wealth of knowledge in my own opinion. And I, I, I have this persona where I want to help people and I know I can. Um, so that's what I wanted to put back out into the world. Um, so I found Alternative House. And the second I walked in and like met the staff and met everybody, I was like, oh, this is it. Like, this is home for me now. Like I just, the mission behind it, the staff involved, everybody has such great heart and such great desire to help um, those less fortunate. And I, you know, I think it's just really such a great organization to be a part of. How about you, Sarah? Uh, very similar, actually. I came around about. Were you in construction ago. too? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I did uh, recovery work for almost fifteen years, um, and it, like Taylor said, it gets to be a lot. Yeah. You know, and I worked uh, specifically with women for a long time, and the correlation between domestic violence, trauma, and substance abuse is so significant, and mental health, of course. But mm -hmm. um, there's such a, a need and such a pull. Um, and my mother has her own personal experience as a, when I was young, so I, it was close to my heart. So she, her, just like Tay, when I found Alternative House, it was like you were walking into, you know, the rest of your life. It's not a job. It's something that just is ingrained in you. It's and, a calling. Oh, yeah. And once your heartstrings get wrapped yeah. up in it, that's it. You know, it, 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 I always say it gets, gets its claws right yeah. in your heart, <laughs> and there's nothing else I'd ever want, want to do, you know. Uh, can't forget to talk about the event on October yes. 27th. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that and how folks can uh, get involved, support it. Yeah, so this is our Paving Pathways fundraiser. Um, we're celebrating the past 45 years of Alternative House because that's how long we've been up and running. Um, we're going to have some interactive displays. So we're going to show you what a visitation room looks like. We're going to show you what a shelter bed looks like. Um, we're going to show you what it looks like hands-on right there with us, what we're doing every day. Um, 
we want to, you know, review all of the statistics about how many people we've served and show that, you know, our, our agency is actually doing something about domestic violence and trying to make a change. Um, so we're really excited for that. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a great event. We hope that people join us for that. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, is it something that is open to the public? Can people purchase yeah. tickets? Uh, Absolutely. Okay, excellent. So uh, also people can still sponsor, right? We want some of these uh, companies out here to, sure. to put some money up, right? Yeah. There's going to be raffles there. Um, All right. You can yep. find us on, on our website, you know. What, what is the website? Give that website sure. for folks who want to www.alternative-house.org. Um, and the fundraiser is going to be held at the Tafeta Music in Weston Ave. Oh, yeah. So you can go on their space. webpage as well, and you can actually buy your tickets for the event right on their website. Okay, cool. And one more time, the, the contact information. Anybody out there watching sure. who uh, who is in an abusive relationship, is wondering if they are, or family members who want to help, how do they get a hold of you? What's the, what's the first step they need to take? So they can definitely give our hotline a call. That's 978-454-1436, or you can call our 888 number, which is 888-291-6228. You can also visit the Alternative House website, um, or you can send an email to that info at alternativehouse.org email. See that? You got nervous when you realized that you got sent in here, you got set up, and that there were cameras yeah. here. But uh, fantastic job. Uh, 45 years of alternative homes. You actually predate uh, Domestic yeah. Violence Awareness mm -hmm. Month. And That's kind of cool. It is very cool. Yeah, It's so, an honor to work for this agency, yeah. honestly. Well, it's great to have yeah. you uh, doing what you're doing out there in the community. Sarah Anderson, Taylor Conley, thank you very much thank for you. joining us here. Keep up the battle. Always. Okay? Thank you. And if we yeah. can do anything to help in the future, don't hesitate to reach out, Spread okay? Spread the word. All right, We're you right got it. You. Thank and you. Thank you, and thank all of you for tuning in to this Inside Lowell podcast. As we like to say, Inside Lowell. If Lowell is your home, this is your place. Till next time, stay safe, everybody.